Um, my name is Krista Mansfield. I am blessed to be the wife of William Mansfield. He is the youth and college pastor. We've been here since February. Um, just real, thank you. Um, real fast, I just want to pray. Lord, would you guide my words? Would this be a moment to worship and praise you for all that you've done because you've had mercy on me, a sinner? Thank you, Lord. Sorry, I didn't mean to start with crying either. Um, but um, it truly is an honor to share my testimony with you today. From a, from a very young age, I had a relationship with the Lord. As a toddler, I have memories of um, going to what I called my secret place. I would hide underneath my Grammy's sewing table, and I would see the Lord in my mind's eye, and I would just tell him about my day, and I would talk to him, and I would enjoy being with him, and that was my time with the Lord, but my dad was in the military, so we moved away. Um, my mom was a Christian, but she was running from the Lord. My dad was not saved. He was Catholic-ish at best, and um, <laughs> I did not have any discipleship growing up. Going to church was not a priority for my family. And um, as I got older, I did eventually fall away from the Lord. Um, by the time I got to high school, I, I was decided that my family wasn't good enough for me anymore. I was going to go off and find my own family and uh, I pursued romantic relationships. I was in an uh, abusive one, and after that relationship ended, I decided to self-medicate with more relationships, which we all know does not work. Um, and I was the classic cliche of a girl looking for love in all the wrong places. I became severely clinically depressed, and for a year, I did not leave my bedroom for anything except for food and to use the restroom. It was my life 24-7. It was my prison. By this point, both of my parents were saved, and they were, of course, grieved to see me that way. And there were three times that I left that room, and they were all to do, honestly, stupid errands for my parents. Um, they were desperate to get me out of the house, so they would send me on whatever menial task they could think of. And as I was driving to the store to pick up something that I knew we already had, <laughs> I, I started thinking about what I had been through. And... The greatest desire of my heart had always been to be a wife and a mother. And because of the sinful choices I had made, I wasn't talking to the Lord, but I felt like I was cursed. And I was thinking, I was, I was honestly meditating on having a husband and children. And I cried out in my heart, will I ever have the joy? A week later, my mom tricked me into going to church. I had insomnia. Um, my insomnia came along with the depression. It was very severe. I would be awake for 48 to 72 hours at a time, and it never failed that I would crash every Sunday, so I didn't go to church for that year either. But my mom made me promise to go to church, so I was ready to crash, but I, I held on. The reason I held on is even though I had emptied myself of every personality trait the Lord had blessed me with, I only had three things left of myself. I love the color green, I like chai tea, and I keep my promises. So my mom used that to the Lord's advantage. And um, I went to church, and if y'all have spent any time with me, you probably know I'm a pretty bubbly person. I have... Um, a cheerful personality, and I would wear that as a mask to hide the depression, and I was honestly pretty good at it. Um, I'm confident that when I went that day, there wasn't anyone who could see through that unless the Lord was speaking to them. 
at the end of the service, my parents tricked me again. Um, they said that they wanted to go up for prayer, would I just stand with them? And of course, it was prayer for me. Um, and as the pastor starts praying, he says, and I hear the Lord saying that you've been crying out in your heart, will I ever have the joy? Verbatim, what I had cried out in my heart just the week before. And he said, and the Lord said, you will. And he said, and I see where a spirit of depression has taken place. At this point, I fell to the floor. And he said, and I break that off of you in Jesus' name. And I was radical. I was radically saved, healed, delivered. I repented. The Lord restored that to me. I have, I'm so blessed. I really mean it, guys. I'm so blessed to have my husband. The Lord has blessed us with three beautiful children. And I get to continue to see God's faithfulness. And I get to continue to pray for others to see God's faithfulness as well. And if this is something you are dealing with, I implore you, don't hide anymore. Seek healing from the Lord. You are not too far gone. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Krista. That's good stuff. Woo! Glory. Amen. I got some really good news for you today. Jesus is alive. Jesus has the name above every name. Jesus defeated sin, death, and Satan at the cross, and we get to be a part of that. Come on. That is good stuff. All right, we get to celebrate a baptism, then we'll dismiss our kids. Natalie Gunnels, 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 uh, is kind of new to Living Hope. Um, Kelly Manders, are you here? Kelly, you had a part in her life. I heard her testimony yesterday. Long ways back, and God's brought her back. How cool is that? Would you, would you, Kelly, I just feel like you're supposed to come and just stand up here with us. Yeah, just come and just bless this and with your presence. Natalie, you received Christ when? When I was 13. 13 years old. Then you kind of took a journey the yes, other direction? Sir. Yes, sir. Recently, or when did you kind of come back with, with a more full surrender? Recently. Yeah. And you're being baptized today is kind of a statement of what? Me welcoming God back into my life mm. after losing him. Mm. You didn't lose him, but you drifted. Yeah. Yeah, he was always there. We had a great discussion yesterday over the phone about the story of the prodigal son. You know, it was interesting because God used that conversation yesterday with you. Uh, <laughs> Stephanie can testify that I put together a, a quick message for Uganda that I believe is to be on the prodigal son because of our conversation. And if you're not familiar with that story, this son goes wayward, and he comes back. And how did the father greet him when he came back? With forgiveness. That's right. And he just said he was sorry over and over again. How cool, isn't it? Wonderful. How cool that our God is so gracious and merciful and forgiving that no matter how far we drift, if we come back, he runs. He runs to meet us. Absolutely. And he welcomes us with forgiveness and mercy and grace. And I'm so proud of you for your obedience today. Anything else you want to say? Uh, no, sir. All right. Your parents are here. It's awesome. Yes. And um, so, Natalie, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You put your full trust in what he did to forgive you of your sins. Yes, sir. You surrender to follow him all the days of your life. Yes, sir. And do you renounce the devil and all of his works in your life? Yes, sir. Amen. It gives us joy. Baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There is victory in Jesus. Wow. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for Natalie now. In the name of Jesus, you bless her, empower her, fill her with your spirit, break every stronghold, set her free, let her walk in new victory and joy and peace. 
from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. All right, children. Yeah, praise God. Good stuff. All right, children that wish to go to Children's Church, you're dismissed out that exit. And if Robert and Andy, Shannon, stay up here, uh, we're going to do a quick uh, prayer send-off for our trip to Uganda. So Andy Hines and Robert Sekundi, Shannon, uh, as the children are dismissed. Uh, we leave tomorrow for a week in Uganda and a week in South Sudan. They're expecting up to 1,500 pastors and leaders in Uganda and upwards of 600 in South Sudan. So uh, appreciate your prayers. And uh, Andy is going to, to pray over us. And um, you guys just agree if you would. Father, we thank you so much for our friends in Uganda, and, and we, we thank you for the opportunities that you've given David and Shannon and I over the years with Robert and Juliet and this relationship that we have with Glorious Church. I'm asking you right now, Father, that on the trip there, you protect them, you guide them when they get there, give them ears to hear only what you have to say, give them good rest, protect them, and give them eyes to see and words to speak that will bless those that are there, Father. Thank you for all that these men have done for us in the church. We thank you for their leadership. We pray now in Jesus' name and ask you to anoint them beyond anything that they've ever seen, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. All right, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, and as you're doing that, a, quick, a couple quick reminders. Uh, be sure to register for our upcoming meals, especially the one on Sunday, July 30th, because that's a potluck. And we need you to sign up on the app and tell us what you're bringing so we know that we have the food that's, that's proper. And things that, that are filled up will eliminate on the app. It's kind of a cool system. So please make a note to yourself after the service tomorrow, this afternoon, Go on the app, sign up for that uh, potluck because it'll be after our Sunday service, the end of July. And then Kid Fest is coming up, so get your kids registered for that. That's going to be exciting. That's kind of our version of VBS. Great time coming up there. Mark chapter 5. Oh, a couple other praises. Uh, we, got, we saw a person get born again at CR Friday night. Praise God. Yeah. And um, I can say that the outreach on Friday nights downtown is accelerating in terms of people's response. And just the, the whole vibe, I'm getting a sense from you guys that there's just a, a different vibe happening. I don't know if it's because prayer cover is increasing, but just uh, encouraged by that. We were able to, to, because of your generosity and faithfulness in giving, we were able to give another 15000 toward our principal on our loan. To re, we're going to get rid of this debt. So, and we are remodeling the duplex because of a generous donation. We're remodeling the duplex, and we're going to turn it into housing for male college interns. So that's in the process as well. All right, let's stand together. Mark chapter 5. We're in week 2 of a little mini-series within a series on spiritual warfare. Last week we talked about Jesus healing the person who had the mute demon. And uh, it intensifies here in Mark 5. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. That's how powerful demons are. And he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. So, listen, self-harm is always demonic. There's always a demonic piece to self-harm. Listen, this is why the transgender stuff is from the pit. You're going to mutilate yourself? You're going to cut off your genitalia as a, at any stage, especially a child? Are you kidding me? Folks, that is demonic. We need to see it for what it is. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High, God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Oh, even they know 
they're going to be tormented forever and ever, hallelujah, one day. He was saying, now listen, he, Jesus, was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. But had it fully come out yet? No. Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. The unclean spirits, plural, came out and entered the pigs and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned into the sea. The herdsmen fled, told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened, and when they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the literal Greek there is daimonizomai, it means degrees of control. It doesn't, it doesn't say demon-possessed, but it's di- you'll see a footnote in study Bibles. Daimonizomai, who are under the control of demons. The man who had had the legion sitting there, check this out, clothed and in his right mind. Say that. Clothed and in his right mind. Say it again. That's good, isn't it? And they were afraid. Father, we thank you that you came to set the captives free. We thank you, Jesus, that your power is greater than any sin, any demon, anything, because you are superior. Bless now this time in your word. Use it to set us free. God, I pray in the name of Jesus you bring to light anything that any of us have given ground to the enemy so we can renounce it and see you set us free for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Literally from Genesis to Revelation, we see spiritual warfare. In the early chapters of Genesis, Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan. Deuteronomy 18, there's a warning about don't get involved in things that are demonic, seances, occult practices, witchcraft, so forth. That's Deuteronomy 18. The physical battles in the Old Testament, I believe, are prototypes for spiritual battles in the New Testament. That was Spurgeon's view, by the way. In the Gospels, we see numerous accounts like this where Jesus cast demons out of people and set them free. You move to the book of Acts, you see the same thing. The early church being used to pray and set people free from demonic spirits. The rest of the New Testament talks about spiritual warfare. And then the book of Revelation talks about this final battle. And it talks about how Jesus came to defeat Satan and eventually will throw him and all of his workers into the lake of fire forever. Praise God, we win. (laughs) We know how it all ends, right? And I have some really good news today. Listen, there is great news today. As I said earlier, Jesus came to set the captives free. Jesus is more powerful than any sin, any demon. He's even more powerful than death itself. And He suffered, died, rose again, so you and I could walk in victory. He did not suffer and die and rise again and leave and give us His Holy Spirit so that you live in bondage and so that you live with strongholds He died to set you free, and that's more than just salvation. It's daily living, and we see it here. Point number one, Satan and demons are out to destroy your life. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Satan hates you and has a terrible plan for your life. This passage shows us a man who was being destroyed by demonic powers, lived in tombs, isolated, bound, breaking chains, crying out, doing harm to himself. This man was plain and simply miserable. Can you imagine the state he was in? Can you imagine the the social isolation, the physical turmoil, and the spiritual upheaval that this man was going through? And it was because Satan and demons had him bound. And he wants to do the same to you. He wants to bind your life. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to ruin you. And the way he does that is just like a trap for a mouse. He'll put cheese in there. You come and bam. He he grabs you. Grabs you through deceit. Grabs you through lies. Grabs you through pleasure. He will make sin. He will make disobedience good for a season. To lure you in. To draw you in. You ever been fishing? That fish did not wake up that day thinking it was going to get caught. Put in a a net and fry it on the pan that day. That fish woke up thinking it's a great day. Man, I'm going to go about my day. All of a sudden, there's this rapala. Grabs it. What happens? It gets hooked. It gets hooked. It fights. 
to get loose. But that fisherman grabs it, nets it, puts it in his boat, fries it up for dinner. Hallelujah. That's exactly the way Satan works. He's after you with lures. He knows whether you like a rubber worm or whether you like a rapala or whether you like a whatever. He knows your bait that will work for you. It may be relationships. It may be alcohol. It may be drugs. It may be TV. It may be social media. You know, they've done a study recently and they've shown that teens today are at the highest level ever of depression. And they have discovered the number one cause of that. You know what it is? Social media. And it's particularly high among girls. Because they look at everybody else's posts, which are at the height of their life, posting these great scenes. They don't post junk. They don't post when they're depressed. They post when they're on vacation. They post when they're in a new relationship. They post when they look the greatest because they had a beautiful hairdo done or whatever, or makeup show or whatever. And so they begin to compare. And when we compare, it's the number one robber of joy. Because when you compare, you always think others have it better. It's a lie. Satan is a deceiver. He's a liar. And he knows exactly what will grab you. Beware. Folks, I believe that Satan knows his time is short. And I'm not, I'm not going to be here predicting dates or anything. Jesus is coming back next month. But I will say, you read the New Testament, you read Matthew 24, you read 2 Timothy 3, you read 2 Timothy 4, you look at all of these passages about in the last days, man, we are seeing it more than ever before. Satan knows his time is short, and when he knows his time is short, he gets more ferocious. You can't play church anymore. You're either in or you're out. And folks, it's time to get serious. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now last week I gave you a list of ways in which the most common ways that we give open door to the enemy. Because how does Satan work? Well, first of all, for an unbeliever, he wants to keep them unsaved. The number one strategy of Satan for an unbeliever is 2 Corinthians 4.4, blinds the minds of unbelievers that they not see the light of the glory of the gospel. So, his will for you if you're not saved today is to not have you listen to this message. He wants to whisper things in your ear like this is a joke. This is not true. Jesus is really not who he said he is. The Bible's not the, the Word of God. That's his tactic if you're unsaved today, to keep you unsaved. If you are saved, does he just let go and say, well, lost that one, never going to attack them? No. His goal for the believer is to, re listen, is to render you spiritually ineffective. He loves lukewarm believers. Satan loves lukewarm believers. They may be saved, but they're not doing anything. They're not seeking God. They're not in the Word. They're not in prayer. They're not in worship. They're, they're not having a ministry. They're not using their gifts. They're just complacent. Oh, man, he loves them. He really won't mess with them because they're already right where he wants them. But you begin to seek God, you begin to pursue God, you begin to get in the Word, you begin to get healing for your issues, you begin to be humble and receptive to what needs to be changed in your life. Expect opposition! So here's a list of things that we looked at last week, but I've added scriptures to them, so you might want to take a picture of this. The most common ways in which Satan gets an open door into people's lives. The sins of your forefathers. Occult activity. If you've ever been involved with a false religion or things like horoscopes, so forth, that's occult activity. It opens the door to the enemy. We talked about this last week, but just a quick review. Sin, bottom line, any sin, but especially repeated sin. This is why, listen, this is why it's so important if you slip, if you fall, if you sin, you quickly repent. You come running back to the cross because habitual, repeated sin allows greater access to demonic spirits in your life. If you've got snakes on your property because your fence has a hole in it, first you plug the hole, but then you make sure you do everything you can to keep any other snakes off your property because he will find a way to get to you. Addictions and strongholds. See, addictions 
are be- is when a person loses control. All of a sudden, the alcohol controls them. The drugs control them. The porn controls them. Anytime somebody says to me, I feel like I just have lost control over that. I, I get to this place when I cross the line, making a couple clicks on this website, whatever, and then it just feels like something takes over and I've lost control. Well, something did take over. It's called demons. You give ground to the enemy, those demons come in and they begin to enslave you. It's called an addiction, but in the Bible it's called a stronghold. So you have a toehold that runs that moves into a foothold that elevates to a stronghold. That little look at the porn site is a toehold, but quickly repent, get out. Man, you're free for, you know, you struggle here and there, but it's this little toehold, but you quickly deal with it. But if you repeat it, it becomes a foothold. If you continue to repeat, it becomes a stronghold, and that's when many times you need deliverance. Spiritual passivity, that's from Luke 11 last week. The house was swept clean, put in order, but it wasn't reoccupied. So there was a passivity that, that, that came in. They thought, oh, I'm free. Demons are gone. House is swept clean. It's put in order. I can just sit back and, you know, continue kind of my same lifestyle. No, you have to reoccupy the house with godly things. Bitterness and unforgiveness is huge. We cannot talk about this enough. Bitterness, somebody hurts you, somebody sins against you, 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 you hold bitterness toward them. You say, I'll never forgive them. You ever say that, man? You just let some snakes in your backyard. Anytime somebody proclaims, I will never forgive them. What they've done is so horrible. You have given room to the enemy. Just telling you. But you can be free through forgiveness. God has a remedy. Hallelujah. He has a solution and a remedy for every one of these. That's the awesome thing. The Word covers everything. The cross covers everything. Every problem, every sin, every stronghold has a solution in Jesus. That's good news today. Music is very powerful. Be careful what you listen to. Shows and movies, what you expose your eyes to, very, very important. Sexual sin is huge. That is a big area in which Satan gains strongholds. Listen, anybody you have had a sexual relationship with outside the will of God, so only one man, one woman in the context of marriage, anything outside of that, premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexual sex, any, any whatever, um, you, it can open the door to the enemy. You need to renounce it. You've got to deal with it one step at a time. I confess that I sinned against you, God, by being involved with, name the person, and I take back the ground I gave to the enemy. You've got to do that. That's how you get set free. It's not that complicated. <laughs> That's another thing. That, there's good news today, guys. It's complex in its nature and in its roots sometimes, but it's not complicated in what it takes to get free. Repent. Confess. Renounce. Confess the sin. Repent. That means turn from it. You're not confessing to just go do it again. Come on. This isn't Catholic confessional booth where you go in on the Friday night, you see the priest, and then, but you have every intention Saturday night of doing what you did on Thursday night. But you go on Friday night to make the little confessional because you think that'll absolve it, but you go right back and do the same thing. That's not repentance. Repentance is you say, God, I am deeply sorry, and by your power, I will not do it again. If you need to, you go home and you flush down the commode, maybe what was the problem that made you do what you did. So, there is a beautifully simple but profound solution in that what Jesus did allows us to confess, repent, renounce. See, when you confess and repent, you break the grip of the enemy. So that now you're renouncing, commanding him to go. You have the ability and the authority to do that 
because you've dealt with the issues that gave him legal ground. You've given legal ground to demonic influence in your life. You confess it, you repent of it, then you have the authority in Jesus' name to renounce it because you've dealt with the reason why he had the grip in the first place. Physical objects can, can, can uh, demonic spirits can, can, can attach themselves to physical objects. That's why in Acts 19 they burned their occult practice items. And then 1 Timothy 4.1 talks about the doctrine of demons. So doctrine matters, folks. What we believe about the Word matters because 1 Timothy 4 speaks of the doctrine of demons. Universalism. Oh, everybody's going to get to heaven. You don't have to come through Jesus. Doctrine of demons. Homosexuality is okay. That was written in the... Did God really say? <laughs> doctrine of demons. Oh, we can have an open marriage. Doctrine of demons. Jesus is not the Son of God. Doctrine of demons. Bible's not the Word of God. Doctrine of demons. That's what the Bible says. And Paul warned about this because what you know, what you believe from this book matters. Why you need to be in a church that preaches the unadulterated Word of God. It's why you need to be in the Word on your own. Listening to godly podcasts. Listening to truth. Because the truth will set you free. Learning your identity. If there's anything I'm going to preach in Uganda, it's identity in Christ. Because they don't know who they are. But they're learning. They're getting there. Number two, Jesus is more powerful than Satan and demons. <laughs> this man had lost all hope until Jesus showed up. <laughs> oh, just imagine this guy. The misery, the loneliness, the pain, the hopelessness. And then Jesus comes. Woohoo! Maybe you're there today. Struggling, hopeless, depressed, feeling like there's no solution, trapped in whatever you struggle with. I'm here to tell you today, no matter how hopeless it looks, it's not when Jesus shows up. <laughs> when Jesus shows up, there's hope, there's grace, there's power, there's forgiveness, there's mercy, there's deliverance. When Jesus shows up, everything changes. Everything. Because He has the name above every name. He's existed from all of eternity. So He knows everything. When He suffered and died and bled, it was for your sin and mine. He took the wrath and the punishment of God. During those three days, First Peter says He went and preached to the spirits in prison. There's a lot of debate over that. But I think He very well could have gone down to the demons of hell, and declared their defeat in His victory. Oh, what is it? He preached to the spirits in prison. Then He rose on the third day, conquering sin, death, and Satan. He ascended to heaven, leaving the Holy Spirit for every believer. He is above all. His power is greater than anything. Satan and demons are little bitty ants compared to Jesus. And you need to believe, you need to know this, you need to stand on this, that our God is a powerful God. And that is why He says, He came to set the captives free. He says in 1 John 3 and 8, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And a little slogan that I use personally NBC, and that's not the network. It's the name, the blood, and the cross of Jesus. I pray today, I'll do this a lot with people, we declare over our church, we declare over our family, we declare over our marriages, we declare over our children, I declare over this individual the name, the blood, and the cross of Jesus. All the victories of the cross and the empty tomb, let it come to bear upon this situation. Now listen closely because this next point bridges the truth of Jesus' victory and us. Number three, Jesus has given His authority to His people. You see, it's one thing to know how Jesus casted out demons and set people free like here. 
But it's another to know that that has now extended to you and me. This is why John 14 and 12, greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. 1 John 4 and 17, as Jesus was in this world, so are we. Because He lives in us, and because of our position in Him, we have authority over demons. So back to what we learned last week, our worldview diagram. This is a Christian worldview. The realm of God, the realm of angels and demons in the middle, and then the realm of people where we live. If you only see yourself in the realm of people, you will be discouraged. You will think Satan is more powerful than you. You will think this world is hopeless. You will think that, that we are just prone to defeat and sin and waywardness. But you've got to lift your eyes up. And this is why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, open the eyes of their heart. Why did we sing that today? Open the eyes of their heart that they might see first you, Jesus, Ephesians 1, 20 and 21, Christ is seated, the right hand of the Father, and I love that, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Listen, he didn't just inch Satan out at the finish line. Oh, it's a photo finish. We've got to review it to see who really won. Did this horse win or that horse win? It's a photo finish, man. It's right. The noses are right next to each other. No, no. He whooped his you-know-what. He lapped him a couple times. He yelled back at him and said, you're a sorry, never mind the word that would come after that, but he is far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Then in Ephesians 2, it says, you and I, when you're saved, what does it say? 2.6. Seated with him. I did this last week. I'll do it again. You need to see it again. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms. If you're saved today, listen, if you're not saved, you need to get saved today. You need to give your life to Jesus. You are lost. You are separated from God. Your eternity is away from God forever in a place called hell if you do not have Christ in your life. That's what the Bible says. Get saved today if you're not saved. Receive Christ. Surrender your life to Him. And watch Him, listen, change you from the inside out. So many people are religious. Talk to a guy at the table at a wedding last night. Catholic. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not bashing Catholics today. I know there's true born-again Catholics. It's just today it just seemed to fit to have these two examples. This guy is Catholic, and he doesn't know the Lord. And I started just giving my testimony, talking about the difference between religion and relationship. Religion's trying hard to be good enough for God, and religion is it's, it's out, it's trying to change yourself from the outside in. And a relationship with Christ, true born-again person, is when you surrender to God, His Holy Spirit comes, lives inside of you, and the transformation comes from the inside. You allow the Holy Spirit to operate in you, through you, and He, and he does it. So when you get saved, one of the things that happens immediately, the moment you're born again, the Bible says you're seated with Him in the heavenly places. That is what gives you and I the ability arrow going down to Satan and demons, to submit to God, James 4, 7, resist the devil, and he will flee. It's all based upon your position in Christ. Your union with Christ. What God gives you the moment you're saved. And so look at Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Look at this verse. Jesus said, I have given you Put your name in there. This is where you take the verse, take the Bible. Put your name in there. I have given Andy authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome how much of the power of the enemy? How much? Three quarters? Two thirds? Hallelujah. All. All the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, and I love this, he says, I know this is awesome stuff. And awesome stuff in the hands of people that are a little immature might be dangerous. It's kind of like giving a, a teenager an AK-47. Mm, not advisable. Okay? And so he's like, i got to be sure they stay balanced here. I don't want them to just get 
way off and think everything is spiritual warfare and freak out. By the way, Robert, you can attest, Isaac says, teach on spiritual warfare because in Africa, they are way out of balance when it comes to spiritual warfare. They overemphasize it. Now, we underemphasize it. <laughs> okay? But I think Jesus realized that, that these, these folks that hear this good news, they might get a little crazy thinking that, you know, they can, it's a little dangerous. So he says, hey, don't rejoice that the Spirit submit to you. Always remember the greatest joy is knowing that your names are recorded in heaven. Mm, isn't that good? I love that. Just that, that good balance. Never get more joy out of anything more than Jesus. Just, it's just that you know Him. That you're united to Him. That your sins are forgiven. You are going to spend eternity with Him in a place called heaven? Where there's no pain, sorrow, misery, Satan, demons, temptation, all gone? Wow. That better be what gives us the greatest and the most continual joy. Right? So, but it's not an either or. It's a both and. It's that and the, the, the authority. But don't let the authority get so into you that you forget just the simplicity of knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, walking with Jesus. So, did this play out in the book of Acts? Yes. Quickly, let's go through a few passages. Bible's turning. Page is turning. So be quick. Acts chapter 5. I want you to see that this didn't stop in the Gospels. This is important, guys. Almost done. Acts chapter 5. Verse 16. Acts 5, 16. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with what? Unclean spirits. And they were all healed. Acts 8, verse 7. Page is turning. Come on. Bring your Bibles to church. Paper Bibles. Acts 8, 7. Because I want you seeing it in the Word. Marking up your Bibles. Acts 8, 7. For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And what's the result? There was much joy in that city. Wow. Acts 16, 16. This shows that you need to be careful how you do this. Acts 16, 16. As we were going on to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. Often people ask, how in the world does that work? Here's how it works. Very simple. Demons can manipulate people and circumstances. So you go to a fortune teller and they'll say, tomorrow, sometime afternoon, you're going to see somebody with a green shirt and blah, blah, blah. Well, they make a person with a green shirt go near you. That's, that's how this works. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Demons know more than most people. And this she kept doing for many days. So she's speaking the truth. That's another deception. He'll use truth to lure you in if you're not careful. But Paul had discernment. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. His antenna was raised. Paul, having become greatly annoyed. You're like, what? Annoyed at what? She's speaking truth. She's almost proclaiming the gospel. He knew there was a demon behind that. We need to be that discerning, folks. He turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, the blessed name. Hallelujah. Name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Those in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Whoa. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Wow. Did it end with the New Testament and the book of Acts and the early church? No. St. Augustine in the 5th century, by the way, for all you real scholars, this is after the closing of the canon. <laughs> there is no lack of miracles in our day. And the God who works miracles we read in the Scriptures uses any means and manner He chooses. Ho, ho, ho. 
Cessationist, you've got to deal with that quote. Because it didn't cease with the closing of the canon. Miracles, tongues, prophecy, healings, it did not cease. It's continued and it still continues. Hallelujah. May God bring whatever He wants. Here, number four, final point, sometimes deliverance is a process. Little tidbit that I kind of highlighted when we did the Scripture reading in verse 8. Jesus had commanded the spirits to leave. They hadn't left yet. If it took more than one time for Jesus, <laughs> it might take more than one time for us. Take heart. Very similar to Mark chapter 8, verse 22. When the blind guy gets prayed for, Jesus prayed for him the first time, what happened? He saw trees walking. Wasn't fully healed. It took Jesus twice with the blind guy. So you have an issue, you need freedom, you need to be set free, you need healing, whatever. Keep coming. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Be the persistent widow. Not going to give up, Lord. I'm going to continue to come. And God, if there's something in my prayers or something in my life that needs attention, please show me. You see, it takes humility, guys. We must be humble. Look into any areas where Satan might have a grip in our lives. Listen closely, guys. We're bringing this to a close. This is huge. You must walk in humility, teachability, receptivity. I pray today that God has stoked your heart such that you say, I want all that He has for me. I want to be as free as God would allow me. I don't want this area anymore to grip my life, whether it's demonic or not. You come in humility and you say, God, I want to deal with any and all areas that you show me. Some of you have homework to do when you get home today. You're going to get alone this afternoon. You're going to spend maybe an hour, two hours, three hours. I'm going to start the process in a minute. But this prayer at the bottom of your notes, I'm telling you, this prayer is anointed. It is biblically sound, doctrinally solid. It covers the bases. Lord God, thank You for Your great love, power, and victory in Jesus. You begin by worshiping and thanking Him. Whether you feel like it or not, then this next line is huge. I surrender my life to You as best I know how, God, I'm surrendering. I want to be completely free. Listen, why would you not? Why would you not want to be completely free? Show me any ground Satan has in my life. That's when you start listing things. From that list I gave you earlier. It could be unforgiveness. It could be an occult practice. It could be, again, renouncing sexual involvement with anyone that is outside the will of God. And after you do that, then you begin one by one. I confess and renounce that area. I confess and renounce that bitterness. I confess and renounce that sexual sin. I confess and renounce that seance. Listen, I, when I first did this, God brought to mind that I had been involved in a seance in my dad's Lutheran church at 12 years of age. Are you kidding me? Trying, we were trying to levitate this person off a table. Now, nothing happened. Maybe I didn't get a demon through that. But I wanted to make sure I didn't. So when I did this, I said, I renounced that. That was ungodly. That was a sin to do that. So if that, and I pray if a lot. That's not a lack of faith. That's just, I'm not all knowledgeable. I'm not omniscient. If, here's what I prayed. If that gave ground to the enemy, I renounce it in Jesus' name and command it to leave. I covered the base. Never had to cover it again. So you do this with any area God shows you. Then you see you've got the basis to do this final. I command any demons to leave me and go where Jesus sends you. And then some are more comfortable doing the Jude prayer. The Lord rebuke you. Either way, I don't think either one is unbiblical. And then, Lord God, so now, again, the house is swept clean, put in order, right? Just like for Luke 11 last week. Now you've got to make sure you, you fill the house with godly things. So first you start, Lord God, fill me now with your Holy Spirit. But it takes continual being filled, continual being in the Word, continual bringing godly things into your home, into your spirit, into your soul, into your body. So this is a continual deal because it's one thing to get free, it's another to stay free. <laughs> it's one thing to get rid of some things that you've given ground to the enemy, but it's entirely better if you keep them away. 
And you make sure that you're keeping that house just like that spring cleaning. You go to the cabin on the lake. And you haven't been there in months. You walk in and there's spider webs. And there's mouse droppings and whatever. First, you've got some work to do to get rid of that stuff, right? And that's this prayer. But you need to keep the cabin clean so that that stuff doesn't come back. So two stations today. You need to get saved. I want our prayer team, go ahead and begin to take your spots. Some of our prayer team over here, some of our prayer team over there. Get your tags, get, get ready. If you are not saved today, if you have any doubt about your salvation, you're going to come over here and pray with somebody and give your life to Jesus and get born again. Hallelujah. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. You're not guaranteed another day. That's not a pressure tactic on you. That's just the gospel truth. So you need to be born again, saved, or just question that. You're going to go there. Make sure you're dealing with that. And then all of you, we're going to give you some time to go through this prayer. Get where you can pray out loud. This is important. We talked about this last week. You must pray out loud. You're not Demons can't read your mind. Day. So kneel at your seat so you can pray into the back of the seat. But you're in a place where you can not be be concerned about others and what they're hearing you say. Listen, this is you and Jesus. This is you and God. We can see deliverance right here today. I'm a discipleship, I'm a discipling pastor. I'm not just going to give you this. Okay, go home and do it. I'm going to give you time to do it now. This is... This is like old John Wimber used to say in the vineyard. Put down your notebooks. It's clinic time. <laughs> We're going to do it, not just talk about it. So there'll be some beautiful background music playing. Encourage you. Let the Lord guide you. As you begin to go through this prayer, pray it out loud. Get, again, spread out. Come to the front here. This better, this better have a bunch of people. Just get, get where you need to get so you can do this. Father in heaven, we thank You for all the great truths in Your Word. We praise You, Lord, for the victory of Jesus. God, I I, I speak now over this body. You have come to set the captives free. Would You do that even here? Holy Spirit, come. Direct each person. To do the business they need to do. We would see... We praise Your people you, set free, the victory unsaved, you. redeemed today. God, I, I come speak now, Lord. Now over give humility, body. give insight, you have come to set the captives give free. grace. Do that even Father, give grace for people to do what they need to Holy do. Spirit, come. And we thank You Direct for what You person. are going to do and what You are doing. Do the business they need to do. We All right, so you go where you need to go. Your Tons of prayer people free. waiting for you if you need unsaved, assistance. Redeemed today. Come now, Lord. Give humility, give insight, give grace. Father, give grace. People to do what they need to do. We thank you for what you are going to do and what you are doing. 